the intro. Welcome to the Jet Set Physical Therapy Podcast. Today, our guest, Sean Iftikar. Dr. Sean Iftikar. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. He's laughing. Me. He's laughing over there. <laughs> What's going on? Not much. I'm um, excited to be a part of this and uh, looking forward to what we're here. Is this your first, first uh, podcast? It is. Oh, number okay. one. We got a newbie here. Mm-hmm. And we also have uh, Mr. J Bot. Yo, yo. What's up, everyone? Uh, J Bot, co founder of Jet Set Rehab here with Randall Glazer. Um, I, I feel like I have to give you, uh, Sean, I feel like I have to give you uh, a, a little bit intro. more of an yeah, yeah. intro. So this is Dr. Sean Yiftikar from um, the, uh, he's, a, he's a physiatrist here, um, and he works with us here um, in, in our, at our clinic, and um, one of the most innovative, smart guys, and you know, uh, definitely one of our good friends here yep. of, 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 our, uh, you know, of the Jet Set team. Um, but yeah, a physiatrist, not a doctor of physical therapy, a physiatrist. Um, we, th- we thought we'd bring somebody different on here today. Um, you can maybe give us a little bit of a uh, different twist with regards to clinical care. And um, Sean's a really big innovator. Um, he just recently completed his degree, um, his master's degree uh, from the University of Pennsylvania in innovation. Um, and he's really big into innovation. So, uh, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I think there's going to be a lot of different topics here. Can I give you some advice? Um, don't say anything that would get you fired. I'll do my best. All right. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Jay. First question. So, uh, Sean, um, talk to us a little bit. You've been, you, we've been working together for what about at least eight years, seven or eight years, somewhere around there. Yep. Um, Tell me a little bit about your background, um, you know, what your exposure has been with regards to therapy. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I um, went to medical school in Philadelphia, and uh, after medical school, I did residency at Loma Linda in uh, physical medicine and rehab or, um, you know, physiatry, and um, did four years there. And... Uh, while there, part of my rotation was to work at a Kaiser in Fontana as a as a resident, and I found the experience to be um, good. I enjoyed the work, I enjoyed the patients, and um, I liked the system. So it was quite natural for me to, um, I guess, find an opportunity working for Kaiser, and I was brought in touch with you. And my first six months there, were uh, been asked to do a clinic together, and. Uh, I'm not really sure what to expect, but excited just to work with new people. I said, Jay, let's uh, you know, let's let's work together, figure this out, and we did a um, a joint spine clinic with uh, he and a, one of a friend and colleague, Bay, who I believe is in Orange County now. Hey, hey, Bay. Hey, hey Bay. We love you, Bay. And um, we learned a lot. We became fast friends, and uh, I think that was a starting point for all the other crazy things we try to do and think about and we have a like good line of communication to say well let's just do it and what do we have to lose and so that's been pretty fruitful and we've been doing that for eight years no way eight years what was your uh, first impression with uh jay <laughs> oh, jay or physical therapy he hated me <laughs> no just jay uh, yeah he hated me because yeah. i was a cardinals fan and he was a 49er mm-hmm. fan that's right got it he was already starting the negative there so started off bad it started off yeah. bad Bay picked him up quite a bit um, 
but I, I mean, all joking aside, I think I really like, um, had a close relationship with physical therapy in my residency. And, um, we had often done things with our physical therapist there, but when I spent time with Jay, I realized that there was a whole lot more to physical therapy and it's really opened my mind and my eyes up to all the things that one, I could learn, but two, that we could do and how much we were leaving on the table. And so that's where all these innovative ideas we have. And, um, hopefully, um, the ones we're doing now are going to work and the ones we plan to do will, will also be fruitful. So, um, I'm excited, but we'll see. Yeah, well, I remember when Sean first started working, we're like, oh, we have a cool doctor that, like, he likes PT. Yeah, yeah. We're, we were so used to doctors saying, like, I don't believe in physical therapy, but I'll send him anyways. Let's see. Maybe something good will happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so it was I, refreshing for us. I think the yeah. big the big thing for me was uh, when when I met with Sean, um, you know, he came, came over, and it was so refreshing to have a, a guy just come in, and just he wanted to learn. Um, but you know, he wanted to hang out. Uh, yeah, we did a lot of happy hours together. Um, he was curious about <laughs> us, curious about the profession and it was really cool to have a doctor who just wasn't into like, Hey, I'm just going to do my clinic and, um, you know, this is what I do and that's it. Um, he wanted to learn new ways of like growing and becoming better. Um, he always talks about a growth mindset and, um, you know, I, I saw that from him from day one. Oh, thanks man. I, uh, I still remember when I said, when's the next happy hour? And your response was, you kidding me? Like, you really want to hang out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you, weird? Yeah. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> but, you know, like, it's funny because that opened the door for you to embrace me. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, because of this friendship and this relationship, like, I've attended uh, at least three Shirley Sauerman courses um, or lectures, I should say. Mm hmm I've gone to Lorimer's course. Lorimer Mosley. Lorimer Mosley. Of Adrian Lowe's course. Um, I've attended Movement Links with Clara Frank. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I definitely like am on the PT train of like, this is amazing. And I've actually been able to convince some of my colleagues in, in medicine to see this value. And they've attended coursework based upon the things that I've seen and done. Um, and so I think it's really exciting. And I, I often wonder, Jay, is there an opportunity for physicians even to get more involved and to learn some of the tool sets that you guys have um, so we can give better patient care? And I think it's really exciting um, what, what possibilities there could be out there for us. So, I mean, they could come to a Jet Set course. We, I would love to <laughs> yeah. have a Jet Set course. <laughs> oh, it'd be so fun. Yeah. Yeah. It would be so fun. Well, I mean, for those of you who listen out there um, and maybe listen to our last podcast, if you haven't, I would definitely recommend listening to it. Um, the Dodie, Dodie Chang and Claire Frank. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk so much about integration and just this idea Collabbing. of yeah. crossing these lines and, and just working together as kind of a, um, a team, like a, a, a medical team. And, you know, Sean's like the kind of, on that end to end of the spectrum too, um, you know, really into integration. Um, in my years of working with him, again, he, he works with PTs. He's in the clinic there with us um, and really a strong proponent of, of integration. Um, you know, as, you know, his, as, uh, you know, and as I would say, or as he would say, he, he talks a little bit about getting more doctors and such involved out there. Um, I mean, we would love that. 
I, I would love to do a jet set course, which is just based on uh, for physicians mm. and having um, you know different um, subjects on musculoskeletal yeah, yeah, yeah. care for physicians. That would be amazing. Yeah. Well, how Sean? How would you sell that course to the doctors? Like, oh, what would you tell question. them? Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting because I think our industry is really focused on interventions. Um, if you go to a conference for um, PM&R, you'll often see like the latest, you know, epidural, to- epidural tools or uh, EMG equipment or robotics stuff. And not as much attention, I think, is spent on what actually will help people, which is what you guys do. And so I actually think the penetrate, and this is maybe something we should all figure out, <laughs> that would be to, to encourage our actually get into our med schools and to our residencies as a starting point um that's a place rich with um open-minded bright people who i believe are are looking to learn the latest stuff and a lot of the training we had was very ortho based which was great but i felt like we left a lot on the table um and seeing what you have um, what you guys do and i've you know using some of those tools in my own clinic has really made me better um and i think because i speak more of the same language now because I know how you guys communicate. I, we're able to give better patient care when I pass them off to physical therapy, and, and you know I think there's no surprise that I'm one of the, the leading referrers for physical therapy because I feel like there's so much that um, physical therapy is capable of, of doing. So um, going back to it, yeah, I think um, academic academia is maybe a starting point, and then going from there, you have enough pull and interest. I think then you go to movement links. Or do you go to a jet set? And I think this kind of cohort-based training spaces may be really exciting. Cool. Right, cool. Uh, you're working on, uh, you're in the innovation space. So I was wondering what what is on the horizon as far as innovation? Like what are you, what's your current or like near future projects that you're working on? If you can talk about it. Yeah, I can talk about it. I, um, Don't get fired. I'll, I'll do my best not to get fired. But um you know, innovation, I think, is um, an exciting space. Like, you're going to hear me kind of light up. I mean, I love spine. And I love PT. But when I get to innovation, it's like another high for me where um, I see a lot of opportunity. I see a lot of uh, ideas that can be tried and exciting things. So I think the the, the future of, of where we're headed is trying to automate a lot of things. Um, as many of you may know, there's going to be a shortage of healthcare providers in the very near future, like 2030, I think this would be about 140,000 fewer, oh, let me see, a gap of 140,000 physicians and over 1.5 other like healthcare providers from nurses to physical therapists and so forth. Like 1.5 million? I'm sorry, 1.5 million. Oh, okay. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. How do you know that? Um, There was an article, I I almost wish I can refer to the article, um, but I had to uh, present this idea as I published and pushed some of my innovation ideas. And it was a, you know, a reference I pulled up. Um, And basically the idea here is like, there's not going to be enough of us to to take care of the people. Um, And so how do we close that gap? And so one approach is say, well, why don't we try to automate as many things that don't require our skill set? Can we, in other words, all work at the highest level of licensure and then leave all those other things for a computer to do? And so examples are, you know, we're currently at Kaiser Permanente. We're doing a, an electronic intake form. And 
for all of us who are clinicians, you know, you have to get a history then you do the physical and then you'll have like an assessment and plan. Well, a lot of this history can be um, taken online prior to the visit, making the visit a little bit easier and a little bit faster. And the patient doesn't have to like, you know, theoretically repeat their history to other providers because it's already in the, in the chart and the mm-hmm. computer. And so that's an example of this kind of process where we're going to get leaner, we're going to get tighter and hopefully be more efficient uh, so we can provide more care to more people. So that's just one. I mean, I have some crazy ideas that we're doing too, but... Um, like robots? Yeah, ro- robotics actually, yeah. It, you know, everyone thinks of robots, like myself, as something you would see in a movie, like, yeah. you know, you know, a literal person. A Westworld. I robot. Generator. Yeah, Westworld. like I robot, Westworld. <laughs> Robocop. Yeah, and, I, you know, there is a future. Yeah. Robocop, everything. There, there will be a future for this, right? But there's even robotics that come to, uh, in my mind, like that do tasks on the computer, so like robotic automation is another tool where if there's a certain 10 steps you have to do manually, let's say on an intake on a patient or going through a patient's like medical plan, um, you just would basically hit a button and the system would do it for you. And therefore people are becoming more efficient. There's less errors with this. And you're actually dealing with your, the beauty of it is all is that we can spend more time with our patients. Like we're, we train yeah, to be able yeah. to work with people and we are so stuck behind a computer, we're unable to have those meaningful interactions. And this puts us back in front of the patient, which I think is exciting. You know, it's it's funny. Um, I, I feel like, well, I have a couple of things, thoughts on this. So w- one of the things I would say is, um, you know, I, I, and you're seeing it more and more now. I think when Amazon came in, Brookshire Hathaway came in, there was, there was all this uh, stuff in the media about... Um, how they're going to transform the face of healthcare. Um, Apple with the the the, uh, the iWatch and you know mm-hmm. all that stuff. Uh, you know, medicine is ripe for innovation. Um, if you talk about you know, if you really look at it, um, there's so much that needs to be done from a medical space that that could transform care uh, by by using tech and just some even basic systems which would um, streamline workflows. Um, but you know to your point about documentation even, I mean, I, I remember way back when um, one of my former directors of my department, he he, used, he went to Disneyland and he talked about how when he went to Disneyland, there was this uh, special like restaurant you could go to. I can't remember if it was Club 52 or I, I, I don't know. I can't even remember the name of this restaurant. It sounds like they didn't let you in, but go on. No, they didn't. <laughs> it's elitist and uh, clearly I'm not elite. Yeah, yeah. So, um, one day, maybe it's a jet set course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but apparently what, what they did was even if you, they would have microphones uh, like high up in the ceiling, but they could actually listen in at your table. And if you said, man, I would love some chocolate cake, the waiter would come and say, hey, I'm going to bring you out some chocolate cake. Um, wow. And, and I, I could see that being like a thing in medicine, right? I mean, is it going like to be in the waiting wh- room? Where, yeah, I mean, not even in the waiting room. I mean, is it going to be like in the uh, documentation space where you're not even um, documenting? It's just video sessions of your session with the patient of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything's documented via video. And if there's any questions about what happened and what, what you did, even from a malpractice standpoint, does that transform care from that standpoint? Are you are you now legally um, showing that you're you're not doing anything nefarious to the patient? And uh, from that standpoint, is is your documentation now a video record rather than an actual written record? Hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. 
Because, like, they have security cams everywhere, like, in restaurants and bars because right. of that very reason. Right. Yeah. I, don't, I think maybe the patients would possibly fight against that. Yeah. Maybe. I, I maybe. Could, I don't I know. I can see it from a private. But I think, like, maybe in the open jam, that would be, like, a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, it's interesting because I think privacy will always be um, an important discussion around these, these areas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And maybe it's a little bit of a gray area because I think for some people their privacy versus the convenience and the service may outweigh, outweigh their, you know, their concerns for their data. hundred yeah. percent. Um, like uh, I'm going to use another Disney story that I learned, um, through my masters at Penn, which is, um, there's this course they have called the connected strategy. It's a, it's a, it's a course in a book written by two of the Horton professors there. And, um, they describe, um, an experience where originally the Disney cruise ships, um, they had to take a roll call on the children on the Disney cruise ships, and that would stop play. They'd have to line everybody up, and I think they had to do this, you know, every 30 minutes or so. And it was just like a huge patient, I'm sorry, customer uh, dissatisfier. So what they did is they stole a concept from those bracelets from a lot of like, you know, people have those bracelets on their ankles. Um, and they put bracelets on people's wrists as a means to kind of keep track of people without breaking up the play for the children which is then morphed into an app on a phone. And so now, um, as, I've, as I've learned it from my course, is that you can go to a Disneyland, for example, and you might run into, let's say, Jack Sparrow, and he'll say, you know, Jay and Randall, it's so good to see you guys, right? And then let's say the jet set of the next year takes you to Orlando in your Disney World, Mickey Mouse sees you too, and Mickey Mouse will say, I remember seeing you in Anaheim, it's really good seeing you guys here. Thank you for coming back. Mm. And this is what they call the connected strategy where they leverage all this data. They learn about you and your consumer preferences and they give you some delightful wow experiences where they say, Hey, the line in this ride is short. We know you like that cheeseburger at the, you know, whatever, um, place. And so you'd go in and they have you straight shot into getting all these different services. And so, by creating that wow experience, they create a customer relationship that cannot be met anywhere else. Hmm. And yeah. I really feel like healthcare is, that's where we need to be. Right. Yeah. Well, we have those things on our computers, the uh, notepad that doesn't go in the yeah, chart. Yeah, I always put like one thing per patient, like, oh, has a house in Big Bear. Yeah, you know, right. Just to mention it, because it yeah. helps uh, people like you basically more if you can remember things about them. I remember how oh, a guy yeah. that cut my hair that would just be like, ask about my kids. You right. know, he would know exactly how old they are, and I knew it was fake. Right. I'm like, this guy doesn't remember because I haven't got a haircut in like two years. You know? <laughs> but, you, but, like, but it's still like, I appreciate the effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I will tell you in, in one way, in, on the some way, you were kind of flattered or you were kind of like, oh, cool, they know mm-hmm. me. Um, but I'll tell you, okay, so in that, in that vein, there, there's also this kind of uh, thing that kind of creeps you out. Right, kind of like yeah, yeah. 1984, George Orwell, Big Brother is uh, watching. Yeah, um, I mean, there's times I have conversations um, like at home, and then I'll go onto my phone, uh, and I might be like, "Oh yeah, we need to go to blah blah blah." I need right? a shovel. Yeah, right. And then all of a sudden, you'll see ads on your phone with this stuff, and you're like, yeah. "Wait, yeah. A yeah, second, yeah, yeah, right." So it's like, you know, I mean, it, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see where that balance is. I mean, what Google with Nest. Recently, uh, this is probably a couple of years ago. They had, they found microphones in their nest, um, in their nest uh, thermostats, 
And they're like, why do you, why would you need a, <laughs> why, do you need why would you need a microphone yeah. in a nest? Yeah. Right. Um, so, and, and again, it's, I think it's to make that experience better for the consumer, which is great. Could be. But it's also kind of this thing. It's like, you know, you, you, you want that, uh, you want there to be some sort of balance. You know. Well, if anybody's wondering why the Jetset TikTok account has stalled out, it's because there's, there's some abuse of, <laughs> there's been some abuses. What? So, We're getting abused? Yeah. I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, yeah. So it has been deleted off of my phone. I'm, uh, if anybody wants to run the Jetset TikTok account, I'm, I still let's have talk. it. I'm going yeah, to look. I'm going to yeah. see what the abuse is about. <laughs> I'm curious yeah. about that. Hey, hey, Sean, I wanted to yeah. shift gears a little bit. I just had a question. This is just like a question I never had time to ask you but like yeah. it was about uh injections because i think yeah. um a lot of times the uh, patients will come to us they'll say hey i got an injection it worked great i got an injection it did not work at all and i was wondering like us as physical therapists like what can we take away from that like are all injections the same or are you targeting a different area and using that as a differential diagnosis like and let's just yeah. to simplify that question let's talk about like lumbar spine like okay. how 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 do you use injections to diagnose the tissue source? Well, that is a that is a question that has an answer based upon practice and a different answer at times, I think, based upon the literature. Um, so I'll say that I, I, I use injections when it isn't as clear to me, and I use it as a tool to help, uh, if you will, give me another data point to you know lead me one direction or another. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm not an interventional pain management physician like some of my anesthesia or PM&R colleagues are, but I do do a fair amount of injections to, you know, quadratus lumborum, paraspinals, piriformis, sacroiliac joint, these areas. Um, I'm not in the floral suite doing epidurals. Um, but if you ask, you know, my colleagues and I, I think uh, like a medial branch block is actually considered diagnostic and therapeutic. So when you guys will do your assessment, PA them, and you sense that there may be some facet involvement, but they're not improving, I usually think maybe this is a good opportunity to kind of like give us more data. And if they show improvement, um, for those of you out there who are familiar with some of these injections, uh, medial branch blocks typically lead to radiofrequency um, neurotomy. And so that's a little bit longer lasting in practice. So, um, so we use it that way, but if you actually dive into the literature, it's, it's a little bit more, it's a little bit grayer. Um, it, and, and there has never been like, when I speak to my colleagues in pain management and some of the literature I've reviewed, it, it isn't as obvious. Like this is like what you should be doing in certain cases. In, in some ways, I think it's somewhat of a community standard that certain procedures are being completed. Um, and some are not, and it probably depends on where you're, seeking care as well, whether or not you get these procedures. So I, I know that was a very convoluted answer, Randall, but hopefully that. Yeah. Helps. Well, you know, it's kind of a general question too. Yeah. yeah. But I, I do, do, I do use injections though, if we're kind of stuck, you know, not mm -hmm. just for patient, for pain control, but kind of like, is this a cervical or dick or a shoulder? And sometimes I find an ortho injection, like a subacromial injection is, mm -hmm. is beneficial just to give us more data. Um, and maybe lean us towards one way or another when we're not clear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that's, that, yeah, that's that great. That kind of answered my question. Yeah. yeah. You have one? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm going to shift back just for a oh, second okay. back to the innovation space. I mean, so, I mean, one of the things in hanging around you for a few years, 
um, you know, we, 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 you actually exposed me to a lot of the work, um, the behavioral economics area. Um, and, yeah. and I wanted to touch mm. on that a little bit here in regards to um, how it pertains to medicine. So, um, you know, through you, I, I learned about Nudge mm-hmm. um, with Taylor. I read that book. Um, fascinating book. I would recommend it to anyone out there. A little meaty, but but very good. Mm-hmm. Um, he won the Nobel Prize, I believe, mm-hmm. um, in economics for that. Uh, some of his work around that. Kahneman, an, another great um, behavioral economist. Yep. Um, what what's your take on on that whole realm and how it pertains to medicine? Yeah, you know, I think behavior is a big driver of the medical problems that I see as a physician, and I'm sure you all see as a physical therapist. So, you know, hypertension and diabetes, there's certainly you know um, very real genetic and organic elements to this. But I think to not pay attention to some of the behavioral aspects is um, short-sighted um, and may often offer solutions where we are coming up short when it comes to medication management, let's say diabetes or exercise um, exercise programs. Um, I know for the home exercise program for a lot of physical therapists, it's a huge challenge to get people to be compliant, like no one is doing their exercises. And so are there opportunities to um, leverage some of the stuff that Taylor Kahneman, you know, one of the, um, one of the, uh, the, I guess the leaders in behavioral economics or behavior and psychology is, um, Katie Milkman. Uh, she's done a lot of really interesting work. Um, she looked at, um, like one example was she worked at people's motivation to exercise. And so I may be butchering her study, but basically she looked at Penn undergrads who wanted to lose weight. And so there were three different groups. One group was a group who basically um, just wanted to lose weight and they were just encouraged to do their normal thing. The second group was um, given a podcast of Harry Potter. I'm sorry, an iPod with Harry Potter on it to work out only when they're at the gym. And the third group got the um, iPod with Harry Potter and they can listen to it at any time. And the thought was, the thinking was, could you get the people who are only going to get the Harry Potter at the gym to actually be more compliant with their exercises than everybody else? And that's exactly what they found. And so she has kind of framed this kind of concept called temptation bundling, which is the concept of what if you were to do something you kind of weren't not as likely to do and couple it with something you really wanted to do. And so along those lines is, can we get our patients who are maybe not as great with home exercise programs to maybe couple it with something that they would enjoy? Uh, Maybe it's something listening to something on the radio, or it could be something like a podcast um, does this get into our, even our classes? You know, we talked about having classes online. Can we develop a sort of, you know, a, a secondary reason for them to want to join us that goes beyond just the exercise program and that we draw people back. And I think there's some really exciting work and that just kind of underlines just one of many ideas from there's like financial incentives to like these kind of behavioral ideas that can get people to like w- do things in their best interest. So yeah, real exciting work. I'm glad you actually brought it up. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> well, you guys are kind of both in management, so you you see like yeah. a huge. Uh, if there's a financial incentive, like there's a huge boost in like just uh, what the staff does. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, but uh, as far as patients, I mean, yeah, you you have to. You, I think one thing I learned like over the last decade is just you have to um, show that there's some kind of benefit and like tie it into what they want to do already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I think I think function plays a big role. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was a there was a book I can't remember this one on. It was from the um, HR on, and Google, and one of the big take homes in regards to that um, was basically, you know, he references is for whatever reason he referenced how um, there was a PT clinic in the nor- in Northern California. And they sent text messages to the patients to remind them of of exercise programs. And there was actually more compliance from that. <laughs> um, I think you're talking from yep. a reward based. Um, yep. and it's it's very Pavlovish in yep. a way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you're going to get Harry Potter if you go to the gym and you work out, mm-hmm. right? And you do your exercises versus mm-hmm. you're not going to get Harry Potter, right? Um, yeah. So it's it's kind of intriguing that we're we're kind of wired in this way. I mean, I mean, yeah. I know I know um, in some of the work I've done, um, we we frame stuff around uh, flu shots at one point, and and the the framing was really around encouraging. It was around this this study I think you had shown me, and it was it you're was, trying to get more people to get the flu shot, right? Right. But, okay. but it was framed not yeah. around this idea of hey, you need to get the flu shot, which was factual. Um, it was more framed around this idea of, hey, um, you should get the flu shot because you might miss out on Christmas, right? Um, so, so there was there was like a different like it was reframing this idea, and it was reframing it from a standpoint of kind of almost like missing out. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's there's studies and and research on like this whole idea of fear of missing out. I mean, if you look at Instagram. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, the stock market thrives on the the FOMO. Yeah, the FOMO. I mean, Instagram yeah, right. is built upon like this whole idea of like I mean, people are traveling around the world and taking pictures of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and there's total FOMO jet set. on that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Jet Set's <laughs> built upon FOMO. Hey, right? follow I mean, us at, at Jet Set Rehab ED. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'd be remiss to say that the 2023 <laughs> schedule is almost up. We're trying and, to exploit that, and yeah. there's some serious FOMO going to go on. With yeah, that. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But well, anyways, yeah, yeah. I try to, you know, what I try to do is, uh, I already know the patient's going to be doing some kind of activity and I just, I just call it a warm up. I'm like, this is your warm up now. So it kind of like ties into it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like trying to, uh, be like a parasite to what they already do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, there's a, there was a, another uh, concept and I'm curious to hear what you guys think. Um, there's this thing called the fresh start effect, which is, you know, when you, you know, when it's new year's new year's day you're like i'm gonna lose weight and i'm gonna stop smoking yeah yeah you leverage that to like hopefully create a a powerful behavior or behavioral Mm -hmm. change right do you guys see a place for our home exercise program patients where a fresh start effect can be something you could leverage or is that more difficult oh yeah i have a sign in my office that says um you can't create a new end or you can't have start a new beginning but you can create a new ending Hmm. you know and because that's exactly the message i want to get across to patients is like this you can make a new ending like you don't have to um you know i know this is a bad situation you're in but it doesn't have to end here so huh. i i have that exact same philosophy i like that i might have to get that <laughs> i might have i might have butchered that quote and i also didn't say who the quote was by because i can't remember but it's in my office i see it every day so well, it's, i don't even see it anymore i think the interesting thought here is i mean we, we as therapists we struggle with this right i mean you you yeah. Give the patient of this beautiful explanation as to what the what's going on with uh, with regards to their you know their shoulder their knee their hip whatever you're treating and why they should do the exercise and then the patient comes back to you in two or three weeks and they're like I haven't done anything mm-hmm. and you know there's a miss there and part of it is based upon these you know if you look at these ideas of behavioral economics um, 
there are some things as to why they may not be doing it. Um, oh, yeah. And really playing into that and really paying attention to some of those ideas. Um, it's fascinating. I mean, I, I know I referenced this. I mean, you, you talked about like healthy eating and like how um, if you're um, I think you talked about like changing the position of the salad in a buffet to the beginning versus the end um, actually encourages more healthy eating because now you're going <laughs> to fill up your plate with more salad and there's going to be less room for some of the, 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 the fattier food. Um, which allows you to actually get healthier. I mean, it's, it's fascinating stuff, but it's, I mean, it's, it's actually really, I mean, our brains think kind of in a little different way. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, I think that was Richard Thaler actually in his book. And the other thing I think they played with was plate size. The smaller oh, yeah. the plate, oh, yeah, yeah. the right. less luckier to fill up yeah. <laughs> the plate. So, yeah, but it, there's a lot of these things and it's interesting. I think even on a commercial level, um, you know, our Facebooks and our Instagrams, they play with this all the time. The right. UI UX experience is how can we make this so people want to stay on this app? How do we make it so that people are more connected? And I wonder if there are lessons there for us to learn in healthcare and how we can make the experience not only more pleasant, but something where people continually want to engage with, just like you want to keep doing um, with your Instagram feed, for example. Wonderful. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Wrap it up. All right. Well, we got a dinner to go to. I'm excited. This has been fun. The great Claire Frank and uh, Dodie Chang is also going to be there. So so check out that episode that we did with them if you want to uh, get to know them. And then um, also, like, you guys, I mean, I'm just going to say this because it's on the podcast, but you guys always pass uh, books back and forth. I feel like you guys (laughs) should do an online book club for people that want to read it and do a podcast about that. Yeah, There's two guys missing here. And, uh, you know, we we meet meet from time to time with in regards to books and just ideas. Uh, Martin Yusan, who's, uh, Mm. I mean, Sean's one of the smartest guys I I know. Martin's like, oh, my God, phenomenal. Yeah. Great guy. Level. He he knows book after book. He knows he he'll read 17th century books and and apply <laughs> ideas from that. I mean he's 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 legit and um, the great Paul Tucker. He's been on our podcast. Yeah, before. yeah, yeah. You know uh, those guys. You know I'd love to get them all on and just have a little talk and a little chat. It'd be fun. That'd be fun. Yeah, let's do that. All yeah. right, stay tuned. Yeah, thanks. That'll for be me. the upcoming one. And then uh, check out our calendar for 2023 is TBA. Very soon, we're going to announce all our classes of 2023 all at once. So start we, uh, gathering your vacation days now. We, we've got yeah. some amazing stuff coming. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we did Thailand last year, which was phenomenal. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it, we're looking forward to 2023. It's going to be a fun year. Hey, Sean, can I close on one more question? Yeah. Before, okay, so uh, you guys mentioned, like, when you first started hanging out, the happy hour. Now, that, that concept... Um, is an integral part of a jet set course without a doubt because we want people to interact and meet each other outside of the classroom every class has a happy hour whether you drink alcohol or not but I was wondering how did the happy hours help you meet the staff like the physical therapy stuff because I know you've, you you mentioned all these con ed classes you took in PT but you didn't mention the um, AD happy hours that you went to yeah um it definitely was one of those elements that um, I think people started seeing me more as Sean the person rather than the white coat mm-hmm. that I wear at Kaiser Permanente. So that that was, um, I think, a huge 
move to um, creating a relationship where I can walk through the department and it's, hey, Sean, I got a question for you or like talking to them about their families or their new kids. And I think that's created a, a tighter culture for us. Um, and I'm just lucky that um, you guys have embraced not only me, but the rest of the, the physicians. Um, and I think we have some pretty good happy hours, actually. There's, it's been a while with COVID that we've had a big one, but I'm um, going back to Anjum Khan and Kevin Walcott. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Good times. <laughs> we have a history of, um, you know, doing it up. And uh, I look forward to uh, doing more with you guys. And for the listeners out there, if you're ever in the Panorama City area, uh, connect with us. And we'd love to have you. Come join us. You're inviting the listeners to the happy hour? Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, Anywhere in the country. Sean's also going to buy your drinks. Maybe, but, yeah. maybe we can get Sean out <laughs> yeah. to one of these uh, jet set classes. Yeah, and, Sean, uh, you've bought me so many drinks on those happy hours. I just want to thank you for that as well as being on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I, I want to get this guy selfishly uh, yeah. out to one of these classes with us and mm-hmm. just get him to... Just to uh, hang out. Hang yeah. out, have a happy hour mm-hmm. with us, um, and just talk and just, you know, just learn, talk. He's a great guy. Oh, yeah, you guys yeah. are too kind. I feel like uh, when it comes to smarts and fun, you guys are the leaders in this, and I'm just lucky you're carrying me. <laughs> well, James, <laughs> I'm, I'm not the leader. Yeah, no, not, not at all. <laughs> all right, all right, guys. Well, yeah. Take hey, take a look at our courses. They're coming up very soon. Uh, follow us on the social, and uh, we hope to see you soon in a foreign land. See you in 2023. All right.